Peter Uni, the head of the science table, uh, has indicated that we could be seeing 100,000 to 120,000 of uh, COVID-19 infections per day. I listened to Greg Brady on Toronto today, and I thought it was really interesting. He played this clip that got my attention. Have a listen. Can the data also be used to estimate the, the actual number of infected people? Um, from what we've done, I would be hesitant to do that. I know colleagues have tried that, but in, in that sense, I, I would say we don't know enough uh, from the from the medical side how many uh, or, how, or how much virus one person actually excretes. And um, I would I wouldn't do that, but I'm a wastewater engineer, so they're talking about wastewater, and she's a wastewater engineer, and she says she doesn't understand how they come up with the numbers. But then she also says, but I'm a wastewater engineer. I don't know. I don't work in medicine. Now, uh, Toronto Today also spoke with Stephen Burrell, who's an epidemiologist, John Hopkins School of Public Health. And he questioned the estimate. Here's what he had to say. I think it's really important to say that the folks that we work with that are wastewater experts, and this is there's an amazing team at Ryerson that is really leading this work that may be worth speaking to, don't even at a facility level provide estimates of like the numbers of folks that could be infected, even though we know exactly how many people are in the building at any one time when the samples are taken and, and nobody feels comfortable providing, providing an estimate. Dr. Peter Uni is scientific director of the Ontario COVID-19 science advisory table. He joins the show right now. Dr. Uni, I'm really happy that you can spare us some time because I think most people want to know how you're coming up with the numbers. How do yes. you estimate those numbers? Walk us through it. Yeah, so it's really important. We don't do that directly, not at all. So what, what we're doing is we um, look at the shape of the uh, epidemic curve from wastewater and use this shape of the curve uh, to derive RT. That's the effective reproduction number. No? And uh, this means if RT is one, 100 people who are infected, infect another 100, the epidemic curve is flat. If RT goes up above one, this means we're in exponential growth. And what we're then doing now, based on the RT we derive from wastewater, we start at the moment when um, the testing system in the province broke down. That's around uh, the 23rd of December. After that, the testing system was overwhelmed. And we take the case counts that we have there as a starting point. And now you need to remember, after the 23rd of December, RT the effective reproduction number could not be estimated properly anymore through case counts. So what we do is we replace the RT from case counts at that time with mm -hmm. the RT from wastewater. We take a time lag into account. That's important. And this allows us to actually calculate the daily growth that we have, you know, in the province, because you don't need to know how many people actually um uh, or how much virus people actually just uh, on average spread through wastewater yeah. as long as you compare within the wastewater signal two values so that you can derive this R effective, this RT. So we've okay. done that, okay? You're That's a scientist. Before I, I want to just interject here because I'm not a scientist. I just want to see if I'm following along properly. I'm the average person. Yes. Here. So what you're trying to tell me, and I'm hoping I'm getting this right, if not, let's walk it back and try and explain it in a different way, how you're coming up with 120,000 uh, infections per day of COVID-19 uh, right now from what you're seeing. You are taking past wastewater uh, charts. You're looking backwards to when we were doing uh, PCR tests 
And you're saying based on what we knew then about where we were comparing wastewater and the actual numbers that were coming back positive from the tests, even though we're not doing tests now, when we see the wastewater at a similar level, we can assume that if we were no. PCR, no, I'm wrong. No, you're wrong. Okay. What you need Good. to understand is Clarify. we are able to, to uh, understand uh, uh, the, the growth of what's happening through wastewater. And we we use the daily, to, just to simplify it, I may have been yeah, too technical, but it's important that you get it. We have every day, we know the daily growth from one day to the next in wastewater. We can't determine the daily growth anymore with cases, but we can do it in wastewater. And what we then do is we take the starting point of December 23rd, and we know now for the next day, the daily growth from wastewater. Then we have a next value on the next day, how cases would have been if we still would have tested the same way. So because we, we have the daily growth from, from right. wastewater and then we have the next value and we look up again, what is now the daily growth in wastewater for the next day. And so we continue to calculate up and down, you know, through the entire curve. And what we get in the end is a cumulative number of infections. And this and a cumulative number of infections is depending on the assumptions we have between four and five million infections. We can check that against um, the models that we're currently updating right now and calibrate to understand where we will go and where we are right now in the pandemic. And my colleagues tell me that's exactly what they get, cumulative number of infections, four to five million since December the 1st. You know? So we can triangulate that and we basically reverse engineer the curve because we have daily updates of the case growth um, estimated from wastewater. And we use that to reverse engineer our way through the pandemic since December 23rd. I think I have it. I fear asking you if I'm right again, but I'm going to do it. Because I want yes. everybody to be on the same page. So what you're saying is when we stopped testing, we had an adequate number the last time we tested a PCR. We know where the wastewater levels were and where our value was at that point in time. Although we weren't testing afterwards, when we see the increase based on the numbers that we had, we can then get numbers from that, derive numbers from that. Exactly. But we, do, oh. we don't, you know, just go back and say on the, this would be far too naive. What was the wastewater on the 23rd of December or the case counts? That's very naive. We would never do that. We really use the daily growth that yeah. we can calculate from wastewater every day. Again, we have that, you know, December 23rd, 24th, 25th, up to now. And we basically update our case counts every day based on this curve. That's the point that we, we do that by multiplying the, the daily case count we estimate of today with the growth, and then we have the next daily case count. And do you get frustrated when people when people question your science? No, look, this is we we had we had to develop that um, from. I'm an epidemiologist, you know, and I think that the colleague who who, uh, who was talking about uh, that she's a wastewater engineer pointed out she's a wastewater engineer. I'm applying epidemiological methods here, and we didn't have time because we had the Omicron wave to start to really, you know tear all of that apart, start to validate it. I will be able to do that once I retire as a, as a, a scientific director of the table. And, and uh, then we can also just uh, get this out and don't have it validated. Yeah. My colleagues from, uh, from Ottawa started to validate it and compared our curves that we had regionally with 
the hospital counts, you know, the hospital occupancy, and again, found a really high correlation. So what we're actually seeing works out, and it all just fits, fits in. Okay. But of course, we didn't have time to go out with that. And now we have this second wave. And we challenged, and I just needed to go out and say, look, this corresponds to approximately this number. I'm so happy that you did. I think it's really important that we break down the science and explain it. Can I just play another clip for you? I'm, I'm a bit of yes. a, a bit of a racetrack here, but this is from Stefan Burrell, who is also an epidemiologist. Here's one of his fears. Have a listen. It has to do with uh, the numbers coming out, the 120,000 infections per day, and you releasing that number. Here's what he thinks. In, in many ways, it might be even undermining some of the vaccination programs because people feel like it's not made any difference. All this vaccine, and as somebody who leads the vaccine program, that's tough because you really are still encouraging folks. As much as folks are thinking about third and fourth doses, we're still working on first and second doses. What do you say to that? Look, I, I don't think that that I agree with him at all at that point. So first of all, we need to be honest with people where we are, where we're going. And if we see that in our models, the same that we're seeing in wastewater, and this really just all is completely consistent, we need to tell where we are. It's an open secret. I was very clear about that in December, that we have a new variant, and this variant evades the immune system, and therefore vaccines, if we have you know had a dose and are three months to four months after the last dose won't protect you against infection, but it continues to protect you against serious outcomes. I really think that this argument is not valid. Okay. What do you think about the uh, the booster shots? Who should be getting the, looking at getting those fourth boosters? I think, look, we have a problem now that we really have a high force of infection. Therefore, it is important to understand, you know, approximately 5% of our population right now is experiencing an active infection. And what this means is the virus will find its way in all populations who are vulnerable. So those who are vulnerable in the first place should protect themselves. That's people who are above the age of, you know, perhaps 70, perhaps 65, 60. People, especially if they are immunocompromised, if they have, you know, currently an active cancer, um, whatever it is, those people need um, the, the fourth shot now, just if they're more than, you know, three months or so after the last shot, because we have so many infections happening. But a lot of those people also need to know more about Paxlovid, whether they would be eligible to, uh, you know, to get Paxlovid and how to approach that. That will be another challenge. All right. Dr. Uni, I'm so happy that you joined us on the show. It's been really informative. Thanks a lot. And sorry to, for being so technical. It is technical. Listen, will, I'm just happy you clarified it. Look, I, I will, once I have time, we need to to get the modeling, you know, just uh, in circulation that we're currently updating. After that, I will prepare some tweets for the science table so that we can circulate those tomorrow where this information with some slides, et cetera, is included. Perfect. Dr. Uni, thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot.